Hi everyone, Sebastian Richard here with my lovely assistant. Elizabeth, his wife, <laughs> Elizabeth Richard. My lovely assistant, my ministry partner, my life partner, my love. Um, we're so happy to be here tonight. Thank you for joining us. So uh, as I said, my name is Sebastian Richard. I'm the founder, along with Elizabeth, of Thriving on Purpose. You are watching the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. And if you're not watching us, that is probably because you're listening to us on our podcast, because we also podcast these broadcasts. Right? Exactly. So today we're going to talk to you about a really um, now hot, hot topic. Yes. It's about current events. And um, the reason we're going to talk about what's going on in the United States, about believers, the governments, and civil disobedience. How else do you want to well, describe this broadcast? So we're going to talk about the basically the church, the government, and civil disobedience, because I believe that there's such a thing right now, Elizabeth, and you, 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 we're on the same page on this. We've been, we talk a lot about this. You guys might not know this, but we actually talk when we're not doing this, the broadcast. We speak with one another and we exchange mastermind. Our <laughs> we mastermind constantly. And uh, that's something that's been on our minds a lot recent, recently in recent weeks. The electoral debate, the electoral um, mess in the United States. The, the, the fraud and everything that has to do also with the, the church, because guess what? If you still believe after all this in separation of church and state, just answer me this. How's that working for you? Like, seriously, uh, <laughs> we're seeing right now that the, the church God, the hand of God is very much involved in government more than it has probably ever been in the history of the United States. Uh, we're seeing prophets step up and, and pronouncing prophetic uh, utterances concerning not only the church, but concerning their government, concerning their future president. Uh, we've seen prophets step down in this season as well, uh, recanting their prophecies. I mean, we're seeing a whole slew of uh, all kinds of voices in the church at this particular point in time, because guess what? This election has affected the body of Christ in such a way that there's now division. There, there's division in the body of Christ because of politics. So mm -hmm. uh, that's something we're going to address tonight in this episode, in this uh, broadcast that I titled. Actually, it's uh, I retitled it for, for this broadcast, uh, The Church, Government, and Civil Disobedience. Yeah, and uh, for those of you, you know, that are elsewhere in the world, uh, you know, we live in Canada. And so so some people wonder, you know, why does this matter to us? What's happening in America, in the United States, or perhaps you're listening from Africa. Uh, you know, there's so many people that listen to us uh, on our podcast from everywhere around the world. And so why does it matter for you as a believer? It's because in reality, when you dig deep enough, we know that this is a battle um, between good versus evil. This yeah. is basi basically the devil's way of taking over, um, you know, the the last um, the last Bible believing Maybe the last generation. Country, if you want, yeah, but the last um, the last bastion of how can I put this of a people who seek after God and see the also that maybe the last possibly the last generation 
of that people who seek after God. So there's so much at stake right now in the United States. It's not just an election. It's not just uh, Democrats versus Republicans or left versus right. It's a lot. It goes a lot deeper than that. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So we've we've been following the U.S. elections and everything that that followed afterwards very, very closely. And it's been very interesting. And just so you guys know, we were supportive of Donald Trump. We were wanting him to win this election. Uh, of course, it was a surprise for us the, the night uh, of the election. We we broke, we're Canadians, so we were we just like, hey, this is going to be interesting. Let's make some popcorn and sit down and watch this. And and we we were watching very closely, and we were uh, flipping the channels and going to see one place to another. And we were very interested in the results, but eventually it got late for us. So we're like, you know what? Let's just go to bed. We'll know the results tomorrow. So the next day we get up, look at our phones, and lo and behold, big surprise, big shock. We're like, what's going on? And I think we were probably not probably not alone in that respect. There's probably a lot of you uh, all over the world who, who were thinking the same thing, right? Now, um, for those of you that don't follow much of politics, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, they look at Biden that's very poised and, you know, polite and conservative in speaking, not in his values, but in the way he speaks and he conducts the way, himself. The way he conducts himself. And yeah. then they look at Trump that's very, you know, heated and blood-headed. Uh, hot, you know, hot, hot, hot-blooded. Yeah, hot-blooded and, and, you know, very... And um, he seems full of himself. and Opinionated yeah. and, and quick to, to, you know, defend himself and all that. And so people look at the, the two... Uh, characters and personalities and basically uh, vote according to that. And that's the big, big problem. That's why that's the body of Christ needs to understand, you know, what are we looking for when we uh, make, take a stand? What is, first of all, what does voting really mean? And, you know, well, we're, look we're, at that later, we're yeah. talking about, you know, this topic, not just for this election, but for the future. And it, this is like a blueprint that's going to help you make you know, those tough decisions. So it's really, really crucial right now because of um, the enemy trying to basically take over, basically he's trying to take over by destroying America so that he can uh, just infiltrate everywhere he wants on a global echelon, if you want, and, um, you know, basically have his way with the earth. So yeah. this is what the body of Christ doesn't fully understand it's really a takeover it's right takeover. now it's not even just politics there's a lot more happening in the spiritual uh, side of things and that's why as a body of christ we need to be united and uh, we need to to back up uh, the president that is fighting for the rights that god approves of yeah and i love what you're saying because it, it is exactly that um right now the only thing standing in the way of a global new world order is Donald Trump at the head of the United States of America. If if this fails, the that's the only thing that's standing in the way of a, a global new world order takeover. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that. And we're going to look at that a little bit. And, but uh, before we do that, we did a little, a few, I ran a few observations, of course, uh, when, when all this was, you know, the, the dust hasn't really settled, but you know, after the election, um, shocker, um, I noticed a few things. I noticed things among Christians and this is what I, I was really concerned about because I noticed that among Christians, uh, there's some who, uh, when they learned through the news, through the news media, so the news media doesn't make any decision as to who is president, but the news media is bought and paid for by the elites and they, program through the news media, whatever they want. And uh, 
So they wanted people to believe that Biden won. So they started spreading the news, spreading the news, spreading the news that Biden was the, the elect, the president elect. And that's just not true because it's far from over. But a lot of people, when they heard that, a lot of Christians, they they did lives like we're doing now. And they, they went like, well, you know, I voted for Trump, but now Biden's my president because the news said so. So what I did this morning, first thing is I got on my knees and I prayed for my president. And, uh, and then you just want to slap them. And why am I saying that? <laughs> it just angers me because I'm like, what? First of all, like I said, it was just announced by the news, but it was far from official. The news doesn't get a say in who is president. They can try, and that's what they've been doing. But if you're if you have one ounce of common sense, you're gonna know that this is they said there's no hole in that. There's nothing, it, it does no water. Uh so there's I've noticed that. Uh I've I've seen also some people again going on lives and some some people were influential some leaders some some people who who have some standing in the body of christ some uh, followers a lot of influence some have said that god can still bless america no matter who is president now there's problems with that there's theological ramifications there's all kinds of problems with that first of all we need to to uh think about okay when someone is elected president there's two things that, that weigh in the balance. We know from scripture that God elects, puts rulers into place and takes down rulers. We know that from the scripture. But we also know that God relies on his people to pray. He, he, he relies on our decisions, on what we choose. So, you know, you've probably heard the saying, uh, we get the rulers we deserve. And that, that I find that is very much the case. I can tell you that in Canada, we pretty much have the ruler we deserve right now, and it's not going very well for us. Why? Well, because the people of God, first of all, have not been vocal enough. We are starting to raise our voice. Praise God. I've seen some groups, some people online. Uh, there's more and more discontent uh, within the body of Christ that are raising their voices, and that's amazing. And I'm hoping for a reversal of our fortunes right here in Canada. But this is not about Canada. So it's about the U.S. It's about the state of the world. But And it's also about how we vote in elections. But, but I saw people said, saying this. Well, God can still bless America no matter, no matter who sits on, on the, in the presidency. Well, there is a problem. Because if, if, and I believe it is the case, God has handpicked Donald Trump in this season to be the man who will stand in the gap, the man who will protect America from a communist takeover. Well, if the people vote against him, they're basically telling God, look, we don't want your guy. Uh, we don't want to be protected from socialism, communism, bring it on. We don't care. So when that happens, is God going to bless America? Well, the answer, in my opinion, and that's just my opinion, is no. Because he gave you a chance and you rejected it. See that there's so many ramifications, and we could go on and on about this for for anyway for a whole episode, and I won't. And uh, I've also seen some Christians, and we've seen some Christians that was um, very mind-boggling, who uh, who celebrated when the Democrats won. Now there's a huge problem there, and it's not even political; <laughs> it's moral. It's a moral problem. Uh, how can you, as a believer? born-again believer, if you're a Christian, if, if you say, I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible, I believe God, I love God, how can you vote for a party 
that kills babies that is willing that that, that, that is very clear on their platform that they are pro-abortion and not so not only pro-abortion but pro post-term abortion so once the baby's out you can still offer you you want him we want to often we can do it for you how can you morally justify voting for a party that does that now it's either one of two things you're not really a christian that could be a possibility so you're a fake christian or you're completely ignorant you have no idea what the party stands for and and that here's here's how it happens oftentimes and maybe some of you guys listening out there have voted democrat Oftentimes what happens is you, your great-grandmother voted Democrat, your grandmother voted Democrat, your mother voted Democrat, and you don't break your head, you vote Democrat. There's only one problem with that. These are not the Democrats of John F. Kennedy. We have come a long way, America. These days are gone. These are not the same people. This party... And actually, actually, it's not just this party, right, Liz? Mm-hmm. Here's here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna boil it down for you. Well, we know this party has been usurped. It's been taken over by wicked men, who have a Luciferian agenda. Okay, and it's not just the abortion. We could go on and on and look at their whole plan, what they want to accomplish. And, I, and I'm, that's not what this episode is about because I don't have all the time in the world. But um, it used to be, okay, before Trump. Before 2016, that before the before Trump decided to run as president, and I would say it's this really became official after Ronald Reagan. I believe that in the United States, the last good president before Trump was Ronald Reagan. But I believe there was a a, a wicked takeover of the two parties because it's a two-party political system, and that is uh, that that shouldn't exist in my opinion. There should well always be at least three parties. But there's a two-party political system, and some people have compared it to a two-headed snakes, uh, uh, two heads of the same snake. And it used to be like that when you understood what was going on, when you understood the um, what was being played, what was being shown, how the media controlled the narrative of all these, these political candidates and everything. Uh, I used to be one of those. I, was, I used to tell Elizabeth, there's no point in voting. Look, they're two heads of the same snake, and they're just going to do the the will of those who are paying for the whole thing, the elites above them. But then God decided to take a wrench and throw it in the machine. And that wrench is a guy by the name of Donald Trump. <laughs> he really, really messed up that two-party uh, corrupt system in the United States when he decided, when he announced I am running for the presidency of the United States. I remember that day. Um, I was I was excited, but at the same time, I got to say, I've never been a big fan of, like Elizabeth mentioned earlier, his personality. I was like, yay, he's going to be great. Because, you know, as a believer, you want someone like, I don't know, your ideal president is like a Billy Graham. Let's say <laughs> Billy Graham became president. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But it's just not realistic. Because these Luciferian monsters who want to take over America and implement the new world order. Uh, they are they don't, not nice people. They, they're not <laughs> nice. They don't play fair. Like they really don't play fair. Okay. And, and you're seeing it right now in the news. I mean, it was cheating, election cheating, all that vote rigging and the dominion machine and all that. There's a lot of problems and we're it's just starting. Using 
corrupt software to try to rig votes. And it's just starting to get uncovered. Mm -hmm. It's just starting. We're just starting to see this trickle down, which you're going to see a lot more soon. Trust me on that. It's going to be very fun. Watch the news. Uh, if possible, Newsmax. Don't watch CNN, but watch Newsmax. But you're going to see a lot of stuff being uncovered in the next few weeks. So uh, th these are the things that, that I've observed from the results that were shown to us on the news, the, the narrative that was told to us. And this is what I've noticed in the body of Christ, these reactions, these uh, these beliefs held by, by believers. And uh, so, yeah, Liz, anything to add to that? No. So I want you to explain <laughs> what a vote really is. Yeah, because absolutely. Because I think people don't understand how serious a vote is. You know, oftentimes we do things just because we've always done them and yeah. we don't realize what is implied Anything you sign, anything that's legal always implicates a certain thing. And yeah. so, Sebastian, explain what that Absolutely. means. Absolutely. And this is so important um, because we, like I said, some of you guys out there, and, and, and God bless your hearts, but you, you got you to, I want him to bless your minds tonight, okay? So pay attention. If you've been voting a certain way, whether even if it's Republican, or Democrat, doesn't matter which way, but if you've been voting a certain way because your mommy or daddy used to vote like that and your granddaddy used to vote like that and your great-granddaddy, it's time for you to stop and make a decision for yourself. How are you going to vote? What are the principles that are going to guide your decisions? Because a vote is a very important thing, and we're going to look at this. I look... I. Uh, Oftentimes when I do my, my studies, my broadcast, my podcast, I like to do some uh, dig a little deeper. It used to be our, our tagline. It's not that anymore, but our tagline used to be digging deeper to climb higher. And I dug a little deeper in the, using the word vote. I said, what's the etymology of the word vote? Where does it come from? What does it mean? Well, it's from the Latin votum, votum, and it's a form of vovio. And it simply means, I vow, I vow. So it's a vow. So remember what a vote is when you vote. When you vote, you vow. So that means you enter into a partnership or an agreement with the said party or candidate. Now, this is, this is where it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. So when you and I cast a vote, we are in effect saying this. I bind myself to you. I put myself under the same yoke as you. This is very, very important in the spiritual realm for you to understand. The Bible, first of all, tells us to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So that's right there. You got a question, what am I doing when I'm voting? Oh, if I'm saying I'm binding myself to you, could I be putting myself under a curse? Yes, you could, if you're not careful. So secondly, Proverbs 20, 25 says this. It is a snare for a man to devote, to devote rashly something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vows. So that comes down, it basically boils down to what I was explaining to you earlier. When you're voting without really thinking, examining, considering, weighing the options, reading the platforms of what they, what they express, what they say they want to do, you are devoting yourself rashly 
to something as if it were holy. And afterward, if you realize you've made a mistake, it's too late. It's too late because you already voted. And apparently you can change your vote, right, Liz? But it, it must be quite it must be quite a hassle to do. So I, I don't think it must be something oh. easy to do, especially I now. I wouldn't trust them to do it. <laughs> so, but everything we've been talking to you since the beginning of this broadcast has been planned quite a while ago. See, the communist takeover that uh, we're seeing played out right now through the Democratic Party, and keep in mind, before Trump, it was also being played through the Republican Party. So it was a, a two-headed snake that the, 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 the elites, the, the people who were planning this, were using the two-party system to do it so they knew they couldn't lose. Right. And God got uh, involved in this. He was like, no, you're going to lose and you're going to lose big. And in 2016, they lost so big. And what's interesting about the Dominion voting system is it was already being uh, used in the 2016 election. But something happened. And can you say, but God, but God. And that is why. And I remember laughing because I, at the time I was at work and I had my earbuds and I was listening to it on the radio. And it was in Canada. But I remember the announcer, the guy, when Trump had won Florida, he was shocked. It was like, and and Trump, and Donald Trump, uh, just this just in, Donald Trump just uh, just won Florida. <laughs> and, and and I remember laughing because I knew what that meant that it was it was the the tide was tilting big time in his favor, and. Uh, and I know I, I see a montage. I saw a montage on uh, YouTube of the reactions of news anchors back after the 2016 announcement when Trump was made president. Some said they were they wanted to, to kill themselves. Some, some, <laughs> some said they wanted to move to Alaska, not Alaska, but uh, the North Pole or something. Uh, people, some were crying. Uh, it was it was incredible. It, it's it's just as if they knew. They were supposed to win, but somehow it didn't work out. Right. And it's like they were shocked, like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. It was like, what just happened? And I think that was God. God just happened. And it's going to happen again because guess what? The church has been praying. The prophets have been decreeing. We've been decreeing even up here in Canada. <laughs> People have been praying and interceding for the United States at this point in time because we know what the game is all about now. And we know we know what's what's going on. And people are awake now. A lot of people are awake now. Right. Praise God for that. But this tentative takeover is not a recent thing. It's not it didn't begin just in 1980s with Ronald Reagan. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. It began more so like in the nine it actually began a long time ago, but let's say officially the communists, when they started to infiltrate the system and wanted to rig it and take it over, that was in the 1950s. And I saw a uh, a, a documentary by a Christian. And I forget. I, I, every time I wish I could find it, I've been looking all over for it on YouTube. I can't find it anymore. But it was a documentary made by a Christian about communism in the United States. And uh, it was very good. It was very, very, and it was an excellent documentary. And it really showed you how it escalated to that. And the guy did uh, two documentaries. He did a part, like a, the first one, which was a critical success, critically acclaimed. 
And once, once it became critically acclaimed, he started having speaking tours. So he went from city to city, giving conferences and talking to people about the documentary, doing public showings of the documentary and all that. And one day he's, he's in a city giving a, uh, uh, one of his talks along with a vision, uh, looking at the documentary. Uh, they, were, they looked at the documentary. So he plays the documentary, gives a talk. And at the end, people come and greet him, say, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. And he's in a school. It's a public school. And he's standing there with his associate and people are shaking his hand and there's a guy comes over, maybe mid fifties. He shakes his hand and he starts uh, praising the, the how well the documentary, how well made it was, how well researched and that it was all true. And that's exactly what's going on and very, very well put. I like the way you presented it. And then he looks at him straight in the eyes and says, but you're going to lose because we have your children. And he turns around and leaves. The man who told him that was a teacher at that very school where he was giving the presentation. And the man who did the documentary had to pick up his jaw off the floor. And I think his partner helped him <laughs> because they were in shock. They were like, this is just, it's satanic. It is completely satanic. And if you don't understand that, that communism, socialism, is basically Satanism in the guise of a political adherence. If you don't understand that, you can read uh, by Richard Wormbrand, Marx and Satan. He wrote a book. And the book is very hard to find now. If you go on Amazon, it, they might sell it for like $135. But he lived under the communist uh, a party back in his country in Europe. He was tortured. He was a Christian. He was a man of faith. He was tortured horribly for his beliefs. So he knows what he's talking about. And he exposed in that book, communism. So just saying that. And before we go on, uh, I wanted to tell you, like, like I said, this has been planned for a long time. This whole takeover, this whole Luciferian attempt to, to take over the United States. And before we go on, I want to show you a, I call it a prophetic word. You, you, you'll, after three minutes of, of vision, uh, of looking at this short clip, you'll decide if it's prophetic or not. But the video is from 1965. And it's a clip by Paul Harvey, who was uh, doing radio at the time. And the clip is called, If I Were the Devil. So stay tuned. We're going to play the clip and we'll get, we'll come back to you guys right after that. So. Watch the clip and pay attention. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington, and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in 
how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography, Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious what'll you bet I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich I would caution against extremes in hard work in patriotism in moral conduct I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned that swinging is more fun that what you see on TV is the way to be and thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Wow. 1965, folks. Paul Harvey, he called it. He called it because he was able to, he had a keen intellect and he was able to observe what was actually going on in the 50s and before that day. And he was like, I don't like what I'm seeing. And he could see it, sense some trends and see some movements, subtle ones back then in the political spectrum. And he was able to call this and he just described basically where we're at right now. And so the... You know, a lot of people can't fathom this. They say, you know, we've always lived in a country that's free. This will never happen. Uh, there's no way we're going to become communists. Um, but there are processes. There are psychological processes that take decades to accomplish. It takes a, a, a generation, at least a couple of generations to get to where they, they want to. They want you. Exactly. And that starts in the school systems. If they can indoctrinate your kids to think a certain way. They've got you. Yeah, and they, they pulled out, you know, um, God from churches, uh, not from <laughs> churches, but from schools. Some from, churches, yes. <laughs> from schools, but, you know, they, they've removed him from many courts, from court many rooms. courtrooms yeah. in Canada. It's really, really bad, like in Quebec, where we uh, were, were were brought up. Where we escaped from. They See, there's the movie Escape from New York. For us, it was Escape from Quebec. Yeah, I mean, the, the Christian values are non-existent. The, and yeah. even the Catholic roots that used to exist are non-existent. All but gone. So it's yeah. become very, very socialistic. Very, very secular. Very... And so people don't stand for anything 
they don't have values, they fall for everything. So it's very easy for them to basically take over and say, you know, we're going to do this in the name of a virus. They're like, okay, where do I go? Yeah. And they just follow. They don't have these values. They don't see right from wrong. They, they think, you know, the government they let the has... media, they let the media think for themselves, for, for them. Yeah. And uh, it's a shame. Uh, and speaking of that, um, of, of outer influence influences, uh, but I want to stick to the church because we know how the world thinks, but it, what worries me at this point is the, how the church is seeing all this and how they're understanding all this. Right. So I want to talk about Romans 13. Now, if you're not familiar with Romans 13, uh, we're going to talk about the verses one to seven, because this passage oftentimes is misunderstood by Christians and even by their pastors. Uh, and uh, I want to talk about this because I remember, was it like this maybe what, 15 years ago, 14, 15 years ago, uh, I was listening to a, um, a podcast where a pastor was acting as a whistleblower and he was warning America of something very, very uh, dark that was happening with the pastors and the churches and especially the 501c3 churches. Now, if you don't know what the 501c3 church is, is simply a, a tax-exempt church. So it's a church that has a, a tax form with the government where they fill it out every year and they're tax-exempt. So the pastor was saying that FEMA agents, you know, the, the federal uh, organization for emergencies and stuff, started taking appointments with 501c3 churches' pastors these female agents would sit down with the pastors and they would bring up a document and they would say, we, uh, you, you like your 501c3 status? And the pastor would say, yeah, I like it. It's, it's cool. Not, not paying taxes. He says, okay, uh, you want to keep it going? Here's what we want you to sign. We just want you to sign this agreement that at some, sometime in the future, when we give the green light, you will agree to preach from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7, to your congregation. And many pastors thought nothing of it because they're like, well, he wants us to preach the Bible, so I don't care. It's the Bible. Not a problem. But yes, there is a problem. Because if you don't understand Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, you're going to teach something that will make your churches become victims of the government. So the pastor at the time, like when I said roughly 13, 14 years ago, he was a whistleblower. He was saying, I am warning you. I, he says, I, when I saw this, I, I I said, no, I'm not signing this. And he, he basically was not tax exempt anymore. <laughs> he couldn't benefit from that anymore. But he wanted to warn the other churches. And he wanted to warn, especially the body of Christ believers, saying, guys, something is going on. The government is going to do something in the near future where they will request pastors to preach from Romans 13 to make sure that they're the sheep follow and do not argue with what the government's doing. And he says, that cannot be good for us. I mean, if we have to do this, there's, there's a, the game is rigged. There's something that they have planned in the future that will really harm people. So he, was, he came out and he said these things. Now, um, why am I talking about this? Well, I'm talking about this because... Um, 
I'll get back to it later. So I'm just wondering because I wrote it. I wrote it later in my notes. But okay. So now I'm going to talk about uh, Romans 13, 1 to 7, because that's basically what you need to understand. Uh, but the first, the first verse of the chapter is the most important because Paul says everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. That's how the the chapter opens up, and also there's a, a similar passage that is written in 1 Peter 2.13, where uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority. So that these two passages are kind of like parallel. They, they talk about uh, similar things. And uh, it's interesting also to note that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Peter warned people with the, the teachings of Paul, he didn't warn them about the teachings of Paul, but he, he basically warned the people to not misinterpret the teachings of Paul. And he said that people who are untaught and unstable, untaught and unstable, twisted to their own destruction. Now, isn't that interesting? And I feel that that's exactly what is happening with, with the, the, the this Roman uh, Romans 13 thing. And, uh, so I just want to I just want to put this in context. Don't forget the Bible also says in Hosea 4:6 that God says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When you have a lack of knowledge, you become vulnerable to those who have a little bit of knowledge. Just a little bit. You don't like if let's say you have zero knowledge, if someone has 2 on a scale of 1 to 10, if someone has 2, he's above you. And he may very well lead you into a pit. You know, the blind leading the blind never a good thing, right? So, and let's look at this word submit. So in Romans 13.1, Paul is saying everyone must submit. And Peter in 1 Peter 2.13 says submit to some yourselves to uh, the authorities. The word submit is where it's all played. It's where everything is put in context. And I looked it up in the Greek. It's very interesting. Uh, so, let me find this first. Let me try this one. It's on the bottom here. Yeah, I know, but I, I wrote it. Okay. So, so the key to understanding the word submit, because there's two words that people get confused. Submit and obey. And a few years back, I was writing a, uh, a book. I had begun writing a book or an essay on uh, men and women, marriage, and the part where it says that women should submit to their husbands. And I became very, very interested in that and it's in the word submit particularly. And I found out in researching the word submit, that submission, and, and Liz is checking me here. She's squeezing my knee as I'm talking. No, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out that the word submit means a willingness to obey. So you're putting yourself in a position where you are willing to obey. It doesn't necessarily mean obedience. See, when you say obey, that's very clear. Obey. doesn't matter if they say go throw yourself off the bridge. You're told to obey. Now, submission is conditional. It's a, an attitude of the heart, a willingness of the heart and mind, a willingness to obey. So you're kind of cautious. So that's what submit means. And obey is actually an action. When you obey, you do the thing. But when you submit, you think about doing the thing. 
you consider doing the thing you you're willing see the difference very subtle but case in point paul and peter are telling us to submit and another thing that's very interesting is we know that peter was arrested in the new testament and i mean if you're arrested and you escape prison are you disobeying the authorities by escaping the prison I think the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Paul, uh, there was a, an account in Acts where they, they, he, he escaped from people who wanted to capture him and the people were in authority. So they were going to bring him before a judge, jail, whatever. So what did he do? He escaped in a basket with a rope along the wall. They put him down the wall in that basket. Now, if you know there's an arrest warrant on you and you don't go see the authority and say, cuff me, I know there's an arrest warrant. I'm a good Christian and I, I am I am obeying my government. Just cuff me. Paul didn't do that. Now he, he ran. Wasn't that not being obedient to the government? Well, yes. Yes, it was. Case in point. So the question is, were Peter and Paul hypocrites to tell us to submit to the government while they themselves escape from jail and escape from authorities and try to save their own lives when they could have ended up in a jail cell somewhere forever and maybe died. Well, no, they were not hypocrites. And the key is about understanding the meaning of the word submit. So now when your pastor takes Romans 13 and starts preaching about Romans 13, isn't it awesome that you have this context now where you can filter Romans 13 through? I think it's really awesome. And here's why it's awesome. Because, 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 doo -doo -doo -doo. recently, pastor, a pastor by the name of Mark Taylor posted this on social media. And I thought it was so good. He wrote this. I think he tweeted it. He wrote this. Do you see the pattern? Pastors are openly coming out and perverting Romans 13. So he's a pastor, the guy, Mark Taylor's a pastor, saying they will submit to Joe Biden. And then he wrote, the FEMA clergy response team has been activated. So what is the FEMA clergy response team? Very nice. It sounds like very covert. But that's the thing of that I spoke to you earlier, 13 years ago. The FEMA clergy response team has been activated. So in all probability, Mark Taylor, 13 years ago, when he was approached by a FEMA agent, he probably said, uh, thank you, but no thank you. And I, I'm not going to do that. Or maybe he later made that decision. But the point is, he is awake. And he knows what's going on. And he knows the game is rigged. And he is telling people that the FEMA clergy response team has been activated. And here's what he says also. He, he didn't finish. He wasn't done. He said, they think their man has won. They. They. Who is they? Well, the wicked people we were talking about earlier, right? The elites. The, the, yeah. the, elites, the Luciferians. Those who are trying to take over the United States. Those that Paul Harvey warned us about. They. They want you, USA. So they think their man has won, and now they are willing to submit their congregations to be rounded up. And he finished by saying this, 
run. And he wrote it in capital letters with an exclamation point, run. It's time to run. So he's warning the church. Yes, because, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, if your leader, which is your pastor, starts telling you to submit submit to authority and start, um, you know, accepting the what the media is showing you right now, and that is that Biden is the president of the United States, even if he is not, um, then what do you do? You accept it. You stop praying for the other way around. Exactly. Yeah. So from a spiritual standpoint, the enemy gets more ground. You let down your guard. You stop praying, and and the enemy can gain more ground. See, it's a game. It's a tug of war right now. Yeah. And when Christians pray, guess what? They're 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 pulling to win. But when they stop praying, the enemy can pull now harder. Exactly. So it's really a tug of war. And, and the, the documentary I was talking to you guys earlier about, that Christian man who made the, the documentary about communism, he explained it so well. And he actually showed with statistics and numbers the ground that socialism and slash communism had gained and how they do it. In, in other words, he was saying like something like they push. They push. And then when you're like, you start pushing back, they go like, wow, come on. We're not going to fight over this. Oh, we're, we're friends after all. That's all. Then you're like, okay. So now you let your guard down once again. What do they do again? They start pushing again, pushing again. And you're like, whoa, wait, wait. You start pushing again. You say, oh, no, what? Come on. We're not going to fight. Come on, guys. So they always do that. They relent. As soon as you the, 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 the right starts pushing back, they relent. They say, come on, we're going to negotiate this. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it like adults. We don't need a war. Nobody wants a war. And then, then you're like, you let your guard down again. They start pushing again. And then you're like, whoa, what's going on? You push again, you push back. And then they do so. And they were showing how doing that, they always gain terrain more yeah. and more, very gradually, very gradually, until you're the frog in the, the proverbial frog in the kettle, the, the the water's boiling and you're there on the surface. You didn't see it come, basically. So uh, another thing I saw that I observed that, that really troubled me big time. I saw a very, very, very well-known pastor, high-ranking pastor, beloved pastor. And he wrote, he put up a post about Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. And uh, in the post, he compared Kamala Harris because she's a woman of, of color. She's not very dark skinned, but she's still a woman of color. And he compared her to Ruby Bridges, that little girl who uh, was the first little girl to go in an all white school back back when there was that 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 fight, that social rights fight, and 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 uh, which was a good thing, right? And that little girl won, and and she was able to go to school with with all the other kids, right? And then be not segregated. It was anti segregation, and. Uh, and this is not about race, okay? I just want to—I just want to say this. This is not about race. What I'm saying at all. It's about principle. So he wrote a post, and it shocked me because I was kind of like the guy, the pastor. He wrote history: Never tell yourself the sky is the limit when there are footprints on the moon. And hashtag dream big. And the picture was. Kamala Harris walking in a decisive manner, and her shadow on the wall was the shadow of Ruby Bridges. And I was like, how can he compare that? I mean, Kamala Harris endorses the killing of babies. That little girl was just a sweet little black girl, an African-American girl, who uh, 
through the fight that was being uh, won at the time, uh, benefited from this and, and was able to go to a, a non-white school. How can you compare the, the two? It's, it's, yeah, they call it the ceiling, right? The glass ceiling. They pierce ceilings and they, they gain new grounds and all that. And that's fine when it's done. Like, for example, Martin Luther King did it well. He did it in, in from a moral standpoint. And there was no tearing down of buildings, no destruction involved. And he kept uh, bringing God in the, the, the picture and pleading righteousness for it to be done, for these things, for this ground to be gained. But this is not the same issue. So, and this pastor is not alone. He's not alone. There's a ton of pastors who are doing that right now. Another thing we saw that, that was kind of shocking is these, these prophets, uh, big name prophets, people who have a lot of influence in the body of Christ. When Joe Biden won, some uh, prophets came, did a live like we're doing now and said, well, Joe Biden is now my president. I was wrong. I said that Trump would win. I was wrong. I am recanting what I said. And uh, I urge you to do like I did this morning and start praying for President Biden. And I was like, what? Say what? And I'm Canadian. So I can only imagine if you're an American Christian, how you must have been. <laughs> uh, there's another. And, and yeah. that, Go ahead, that makes me question. Um, that makes me question if you're really, um, how should I say this, a real prophet. Because if you're a true prophet and you heard those words from God, then you know that you know that you know that Trump is going to get in. Yeah. You won't recant. Especially not based on the news media. Exactly. And that's the second thing is how do you not know that the media is corrupt when it's so in your face? And that, is so, that is so ABC. I mean, so, if, you're, if you're a prophet, if you call yourself a prophet, and these guys call themselves a prophet, and you don't know that the media is completely corrupt. Well, not completely. There's maybe like 2 to 5% that's not corrupt. If you don't know that and just buy into it, hook, line, and sinker, well, shame on you. And why do you even call yourself a prophet? Seriously. You have zero discernment. Seriously. Anyway. And and that's the question. And, you know, like we were talking about the shaking of the church and we did a podcast on, on that in the past. And, you know, now I would say that it's evolved since then because now the Lord is really shaking the body of Christ to know who are the false prophets, who are the false uh, churches, uh, you know, where do they stand? What Where are they leading um, their people in times of crisis? Yeah. Now it's it's more and more apparent to a true believer that understands what God stands for. You know, it's like black and white. It's, right re now. it's really black and white. You I know? mean, seriously, if you can't see it, I mean, it, it, there's there's not much of a gray zone here, guys. Exactly. I mean, it's really it, evil, good versus evil right and now. And the Lord is going to... Um, expose a lot of big names a lot of people and that's that, what i was getting at that yeah. maybe you've been following for a very long time that you're going to probably be shocked and this might um you know shake your beliefs but you need to not look at man when these things happen look at look, keep your eyes on the lord you know there's deception everywhere and that's why the lord needs to expose this right now because yeah. um you know w the believers need to know who uh to stand with yeah right now and it's not by being deceived uh it's not by being in a church that has no 
uh, Holy Spirit, no anointings, no uh, nothing, you know, prophetic. No conviction. That's, no conviction, no values. That's not going to stand in times like this. Because no. right now uh, there's a war going and it's going to continue. You know, in the, the coming years, we're approaching the end days. And the, the devil is trying to take more territory back. And uh, he's unleashed a lot of horrible things on the earth. And for um, the Christians to be able to stand against this, there has to be unity, but a righteous unity. Mm -hmm. So we can't have deception. We can't have people that don't know their values, don't know their Bibles, don't understand what God stands for, don't believe in truth. Uh, you know, waver at the little si sound of anything that kind of goes against their beliefs, get, gets them all ruffled well, up. Well, kind of like those believers we were like, talking about earlier, right? When they, when they learned that through the news, not through official sources, but through the news that Biden was the new president-elect. It was like, well, I prayed this morning for my new president because we're we're supposed to call to pray for our presidents and, and our authorities. And, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a person of color listening to this, um, I want to say, you know, even when I say unity, it's not just about, uh, you know, values and denominations and that kind of stuff. It's also about race. It's also about standing together as uh, yeah. a unity. Um, a body of Christ. A body of Christ. Whole body of Christ. A whole body of Christ. Yeah. So we don't have time for racial wars. Oh, no. We don't have time for blacks versus whites. That nonsense is going to be very apparent in the future. And that's what they want. They want division. They want to divide and conquer. It's really about the body of Christ's survival. Okay. It's going to get that bad. That's yeah. how bad the shaking is going to get. So the body of Christ is going to quickly have to realize that, oh, we don't have time to be petty with no. these fights of Black Lives Matters and this and that. That's all going to go down the toilet. When and you're in a war, you don't care who's with you in the trenches. Exactly. You're, you're like, you're going to be I, I like, you're my what sister, color you are. You're shooting you're my at the enemy. Let's go. Let's aim. I'm exactly. going to help you aim if I have you're to. You're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. Let's go. Exactly. Exactly. And and I want to talk about a pastor called Dana Coverstone. Uh, and and this is, he's a guy. Uh, and maybe it's because I'm French. I thought Dana was just a girl's name, but no, he's a, he's a man. So Dana Coverstone, he had, a, he, he began having dreams months ago. And it's funny because he's this uh, very studious man. You, you, I saw his library, very impressive. So he's a man of uh, reads a lot, very studious, a typical conservative pastor, like evangelical. And he started having these incredible prophetic dreams, but that blew his mind. Like the stuff that he woke up all in the sweat in the mornings, like, what's going on? And, <laughs> and, and then he was like really convicted by God that he needed to start doing videos about his prophetic dreams. And his dreams are amazing and i i've been very i've been following daniel coverstone uh, since he began doing having those dreams and he had a dream i think it was about november in which he talked about those uh, teachers and pastors being exposed and in his dream they were on a carpet and the carpet was pulled from under their feet and he says they went flying but they were wearing robes so they were exposed you, know, you could see them being exposed. You know what I'm saying, right? And he said these were big name pastors, big name pastors. And he didn't name any names, but he, but he, he probably knew who he saw in his dream. And I think it's only the beginning because we're seeing big names right now who are compromising themselves through social media appearances or posts. In which they, they are basic. Get, they don't want to lose their following no, because of 
what they've been saying. They're basically compromising themselves like, because now they're they're yeah. they're uncovered because you know you're like, ah, well, look at what you just said, and how can you support baby uh, killings and 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 this and that and all this corruption? How can you stand for that? So you you scratch your head and you go like, what's going on? Uh, so we need as believers to be able to. Well, first of all, we need discernment. Huge. In this season, if you don't have, if you feel you don't have discernment in this in this season, get on your knees and ask the Lord to give you discernment. It doesn't necessarily have to come in the form of a spiritual gift of discerning of spirits and all that. You can just say, look, give me wisdom enough to, dis to discern what's going on, what I see on the news, what I hear, what I hear my pastor say. Uh, you need to do this. So we need to differentiate as believers between what is legal and what is just or what is godly mm -hmm. because there's a huge difference between what is legal and what is just and thomas jefferson was one of those discerning souls and he said if a law is unjust a man is not only right to disobey it he is obligated to do so and there was another quote and i forget who said that it, it, it went around it went along the lines of uh if it is not a law that is based on the scripture, it is no law at all. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> so, for example, will I saw a meme on Facebook, and it's the meme said, "Will you keep preaching Christ if it becomes illegal?" Like, let's say tomorrow morning, the government says, "Let's say, let's say." It stays the way it is. Joe Biden is sworn in later, and uh, all of a sudden he starts closing down churches and saying, "If you preach Christ in the street, or if you preach Christ at work, or you will be uh, fined, or you will be brought to jail. If it becomes illegal, will you still preach Christ?" Question. Question. Uh, so, will you still ser serve the Lord if serving Him means starving, or losing your possessions, or? being thrown in jail or in an internment camp. Uh, up in Canada, we, we uh, some people have been fighting this. Uh, there has been from underground news sources that the government is has been building COVID internment camps. COVID There's a lot of videos coming out showing coming these out. COVID camps. COVID camps. What is that? Well, it, basically, it's very simple. Uh, when the vaccine rolls out, and it's, about, it's just about to because it's very close to being rolled out, uh, our, our prime minister bought like something like 37 million syringes to vaccinate every single Canadian. When the vaccine rolls out, if you, for whatever reason, decide, you know what, nah, I think that's for me, the vaccine, I don't think I want it. Well, guess what they're going to do? For the safety of the population and to protect the population from you who might be carrying COVID, they're going to bring you to a COVID internment camp. And over there, uh, if you decide to change your mind and say, you know what, I don't kind of like it here. I don't like the toilet. It doesn't flush very well. I'm going to take the vaccine. Then they're going to be, you're, you're going to take the vaccine and they're going to send you back home. But if you choose not to, what happens? Uh, this is just a question like that. I'm just curious. Anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, where am I going with this? Well, and they, they in Canada have leaked. There's been a whistleblower that has leaked a document talking about these COVID camps and even um, uh, saying that their deadline was for the end of December 2020, yeah. that all these COVID camps had to be in every province of running. Canada. Yeah. 
And uh, also that if you decide to take the vaccine, you also relinquish the right to have a home. So well, then you relinquish the right to property, uh, to property but yeah. it's not because you're taking a vaccine. What they're offering, what they're planning on offering, and I'm not... Uh, is to pay sure. your debts. Yeah, they're basically saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a reset. You probably saw the video this week. How, how appropriate, right? There was a video of uh, our beloved prime minister saying that he wants to do a reset. Mm -hmm. Well, the, here's the way the reset's going to work. Don't, don't tell anyone you heard it here, but I'm going to tell you what it is. They, they What they want to do, what they want to offer Canadian citizens is, look, here's the deal. You, uh, If you accept the vaccine... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay all off all your debts. Isn't that awesome? We're going to pay off your debts. We're doing an economic reset. And you get the vaccine and life goes on and you're happy. The only little quid pro quo here is the thing that uh, you need to accept is basically uh, by getting all your debts paid off, you accept not to own any property ever again. Is that, is that a deal? Is that cool? It's something like that. It's something along those lines. Yeah. I don't have the whole document with me here, but it was it was pretty uh, pretty dark, pretty mm -hmm. dark, pretty scary, uh, pretty New World Order nineteen eighty four kind of thing. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, discerning what is legal from what is just and for, from what is godly. Well, for example, when Peter and Paul escaped their captors in the Bible, when Pe when Peter escaped the jail cell, was it legal? Technically, no, it was not legal for him to escape, even if the angel kind of didn't break down the wall, didn't destroy property, you know, just just open the door like ba -ba -ba boom, there you are. But it was still technically not quite legal. But was it just? Absolutely. Because why? Because God had a kingdom assignment for Peter and the kingdom assignment just wasn't over. So he needed Peter to finish his kingdom assignment. So that's how it works. So we're brought here now at, at this part of the broadcast where we're going to address. So when should we pray for our leaders? When should we pray for our leaders? Because we, we we hear this in churches a lot. I've heard it throughout the decades in, in church. Pray for your leaders. It's so important that we pray for our leaders. They need our prayers. Let's pray for our leaders. Say, hey, why don't we pray for our leaders? What do you think, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> So let's keep in mind that as kingdom believers, as kingdom citizen, your government, your first government, your first loyalty lies with the kingdom of heaven. That's your real loyalty. Now, this is your highest priority. It's where you get your marching orders from. And here's what I wrote. As believers and kingdom ambassadors, we should never espouse our own judgments and ideals as absolutes. We should filter everything through the word of our king. The word of God is our final authority on all matters. And I really liked what Miles Monroe said uh, years ago. Miles Monroe was deceased. He died, I think, in 20, uh, 2012. 2012. Plane crash. What a shame. Great teacher. Uh, but he was saying one day in a teaching, he said that when he is confronted in the media with people who say, hey, What's your take on homosexuality or what's your take on the LGBTQPS thing? <laughs> what do you, where do you stand on these issues? Miles Monroe said it's very simple. Whenever I am asked these uh, pressing questions and people are trying to corner me, I always act with diplomacy as an ambassador. I know that I am an ambassador of Christ and therefore as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, it's very simple. I come in the name of my government. 
So my response is always the same. My government says dot, dot, dot. And basically you give the biblical response. Here's where God, my God, my government, my king stands on this issue. I'm not going to discuss it. In other words, this is where I stand because I, I stand with God. And this, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, you don't like what's written. I'm just telling you what's written in the in the in our laws and from my kingdom where I <laughs> where I'm acting from. So, and furthermore, in the Lord's prayer, we are to pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, if you pray that, if you are someone who likes to pray the Lord's prayer, well, every time you pray that, you're basically saying, "May Your will be done through me on earth as it is in heaven." And if his will is done in heaven perfectly. You can bet that God will want to will want His word to be honored in your life on earth too, as well. So right. to be clear, to be clear, I wouldn't bother praying for my leader if, for example, and we've given that example many times during this broadcast, if he is all for killing babies. I mean, why would you pray for that unless you pray for his repentance? Now, if you pray for your leader for his repentance. Let's say you have no choice. He's the government. He's in charge. He's the guy that's put there. You feel led by the Holy Ghost to pray for his repentance. I will never say that is wrong. Even if my conviction might be different from yours, I will never tell you do not pray for him. Because this is where the Holy Ghost is leading you. This is what the Holy Ghost is leading you to do. That's fine. Yeah, it's always so good let's to just, pray for somebody's salvation. Exactly. So let's just make that clear. Okay? Now, however... The Bible says that we shall know them by their fruit. We shall know them by their fruit. And when I see fruit like this, I don't really want to pray for the tree. I more like in the, uh, I want to curse that fig tree kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the kind of fruit that we're seeing right now. So uh, what do I pray then? Well, here's a simple rule of thumb that I have adopted that uh, maybe you will want to adopt after I share it with you. So if you have a good leader, that's very rare in today's politics, I know, but it happens. Some people, you know, mistakes happen. You can have a good leader. If you have a good leader, you can pray that he remains good. You can pray for his health. You can pray for his family. You can pray for his decisions. You can pray for his protection. Because if he is a good leader, there might be some attempts on his life. Just saying. Uh, and you can pray. If he is not, if you don't, if, if you know that from his life that he's, not saved, you can pray for his salvation. Absolutely. These are things that I would urge and highly recommend that you pray for if you have a good leader. Now, if you have an average leader, which is the case for most people, most, most, most politicians are very average, very average. They're average leaders, average people, you know. Well, pray that he becomes a good leader. You can also pray for his salvation. Like I said, that's that's open. That's open, uh, open season all the time, you know. You can always pray for that. Now, if you have an obviously bad, wicked, or corrupt leader, now it gets interesting. Pray, I recommend, pray that he be removed and replaced by someone who is good. And pray also for the population of your country or your city or whatever the, wherever the election is taking place, that the population, that area, wakes up. If they think he's good, when in fact he is bad, pray that the population wakes up, that their eyes are open, that they discern, and that the next time there's an election, they vote properly. 
These are things you can pray. But through it all, and I know you want to add something, I can feel it. But yeah. through it all, remember to pray for the heart of the people who vote, that they may vote justly, that they may see rightly. Because, like I said earlier, we usually get the leaders we deserve. And if the people are crooked and wicked at heart, chances are they're going to have a leader who is crooked and wicked at heart. Yeah, I just I just want to say, you know, from um, a conservative Christian perspective, I know a lot of people, you know, look at this and they'll say, for example, um, let's say you were uh, against Trump because you didn't feel he had Christian character or, you know, he didn't portray certain values that were important to you. Um, I know the media has done a good job of, of bashing him in all oh, kinds of ways. Um, but the truth of the matter is when you know the prophetic side of things and you understand God's will in this time right now, and it's for, um, you know, for pro-life, it's for babies, um, basically cleaning the swamp and cleaning the swamp, doing yeah. a reset in the justice system yeah. so that, you know, the from what I've heard, from what I've understood, is also that President Trump is probably going to reverse the abortion laws. With the help of, of the, uh, the the justice system. So exactly. Roe so, versus Wade could potentially, yes. if Trump is in power, be reversed. And I know that sounds so, like a big stretch, but yes. buckle your safety belts. When he's sworn in, mark my words of confidence, when he is sworn in, that's faith, this that's going, what needs that's to take gonna place. Be, it's going to be on the agenda. It's going to so be on the agenda. So that's what needs to take place. And for that to happen, that is the will of God. So, you know, you look at a man that maybe wasn't your, you know, super pro-choice in the first place. You know, maybe not like Sebastian said, you know, we would have loved, let's say, John Maxwell as president or, or Billy, Graham, Billy Graham or Franklin or Graham. Franklin Graham. Graham is alive now and it would have been, a, you know, these are men as Christians that we aspire, we look at and we say, wow, you know, what a good godly charactered man. However, like we explained earlier to clean the swamp, to deal with what's at stake here. You to need understand someone how, who's as shrewd as they are, who can, who can play the game people. on their level. And you need someone who is seasoned yeah. in those, uh, hard negotiations, who is willing to take a stand, uh, who's got a backbone this big, who can who can do the job. And, as, and, and, I, and I don't want to attack the character of any of these Christian men that I mentioned. But in this situation, in this situation, it takes that a man like Trump, because a good Christian man would have folded under the type of pressure yeah. that Trump is under with his family threatened, mm -hmm. with his own life threatened, with what is at stake for that country, it took someone like him and God knew it. With with his background? With, with all the respect I have for my brothers yeah. in Christ or sisters in Christ who could have done a good job as, as a president under normal circumstances, but these are not normal circumstances, folks. And even his family, you know, um, I remember John Maxwell saying when he was thinking of running for president before Trump. In 2016, in yeah. 2016. He, had he had been given an offer to, to to run. Someone wanted to, some a group wanted to fund his campaign. They had amassed $10, $10 million yeah. to have him run. So he had a big decision to make. He decided not to run. But the point is, John Maxwell, with all of his leadership experience and his Christian character, would have made a wonderful president. 
under normal circumstances. Exactly. But under circumstances when people play we're in, fair. Where, when people play fair, when he's not actually fighting the devil every day, uh, and not just the devil, but all of his armies. Uh, and his family as well. And that was the, that, one of the reasons the he didn't want to drag his family into that. And, you know, so Trump with his background, with his family, always being in the spotlight, grown up yeah. in the spotlight, was uh, a better choice, um, you know, for this kind of a mandate. Yeah. So we have to take all of these things into consideration when we're talking about, you know, why we're backing, why the body of Christ is backing him. It, it really is because it's God's choice right now, and there's more at stake than what meets the eye. What you're yeah. seeing, in and, and I know there's some of you, realm. and I know there's some of you right now that are like, "Well, we should still pray for those who are in power and, and and to bless them and and all that." But here's the deal: this is a war, like we said, between good and evil. And I just want to quote from King David, man after God's own heart. Wonderful man of, of a man of uh, state, a king, a king. So he knew politics. Here's what he wrote in Psalm 139, 21. King David, man after God's own heart. Here's what he wrote. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. Bloodthirsty, killing babies. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? And he finishes with this. I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, I'm no King David, but I think... This is the type of approach that is needed from the body of Christ right now. And I'm not saying you should curse people in power. You don't want to, like, I was kind of bordering on maybe there's there's certain instances where we should do imprecatory prayers, and I'm not going to go there. But man, like Bugs Bunny would say, of course you realize that this needs war. And this is where we're at right now. And I'm well aware that Jesus said we should pray for our enemies. But here's what I think. I, I believe that what I what he said in this context was your personal enemies. That person at work who is giving you a hard time when you pray before a meal. Or uh, the guy in high school uh, who used to bully you. You know, the, the personal stuff. The personal stuff. But when we're talking about rulers of nations... There's a lot of discernment needed there. And uh, there's ways to intercede on behalf of your nation that is wise, efficient, and just. And that's that balance that we're encouraging and, you to find. And that's why it's really important to um, always, you know, pray for, the, for God's will. Because if you don't know for sure what God's will is, then pray for God's will to, to be done in this time, in this season. Pray that corruption and that fraud and evil be, uh, be up, uprooted, be exposed. Yeah, uprooted, exposed. Um, you know, I prayed for a really long time for, um, you know, the um, the organizations that were against uh, sex trafficking yes. and, uh, you know, children being abused. And that's another that, thing, that, 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 that those organizations. Just, that, they would, um, that they would have assistance from angelic 
uh, from angels, you know, that they would help them find these children yeah. um, that were, you know, in underground bases, uh, hidden, um, all kinds of things were horrible. And they were, and I knew that they were hidden because the Lord another, showed me. And that's another so thing I that prayed, the Lord hasn't, hasn't shown, uh, that the Lord, that the news hasn't shown us on the media. Yeah, all so, these busts, uh, the, the yeah. bustings of and these President rings. President Trump has done a lot of work in that go. area where he's, um, where he's, uh, you know, busted a lot of these rings of uh, prostitution, sex trafficking, uh, using, abusing young children, and so you know, you can pray for these things that you know God uh, backs behind this. You know, God wants these things exposed. God wants children to to be free and not to have this suffering so you know i always pray that the lord um uncovers this that he sends angels and assistants to to find these children that that the lord heals yeah. them physically and emotionally and sends them to good christian homes you know there's so many things that you can pray that can make a real difference and, you know, if you're a Trump supporter, then pray for his protection, pray for his family, pray that justice, um, you know, happens in the, the court system, in the court uh, of law, and that, you know, what's happening in the Supreme Court, that God has a hand in this and that he moves in a mighty way. You know, we always have to pray for God's will to be done. That's basically it. Amen. And, and uh, yeah, and I like that you, you brought that up because... Uh, President Trump is uh, has been very active using uh, the long arms of the law, the CIA, the FBI to yeah. bust these these child trafficking rings, mm -hmm. and it it has it has made the news once in a while here and there, but there's been a lot more that lot. wasn't shown us that the, of that stuff happening, and he's done a heck of a lot more than most presidents, all the presidents before him, concerning this uh, very disgusting, uh, wicked, I, I don't even have the words. So I was yeah. talking about how Christians were, re, need to realize this is a, a war between good and evil, between God and Satan. It's not just politics anymore. We, we like I said, we're far for, this is not your father's president. This is not your, your, your father's democratic party. It's not John F. Kennedy anymore. We're past that. And, and many Christians, many Christians are, the, there's the saying that they're too nice. We're too nice. We're too goody goody Christians. Uh, there was someone who once joked, uh, I don't, I forget who it was, about church and Christians. And uh, here's how it went it was something like, uh, church is where all the nice people gather to hear a nice man give a nice sermon on how to be nicer to everybody. And this has to stop. And what am I saying by this has to stop? There's nothing wrong with, be, with being nice. It's okay to be nice if you've got the good that, uh, part down. So what you need to be as a Christian, a believer, is you need to be good first, nice second. Okay? You don't, you don't have to be nice, but you have to be good. God requires us to be good. In other words, to um, to... Here's my, I have a definition here of a Christian on my wall here in the office. You, you can't see it, but it says Christian. Now, someone who hates everything that God hates and who loves the same way God loves. That is what a Christian is supposed to be. And if you are a Christian, guess what? You're supposed to hate as well as love. And what are you supposed to hate? Everything that God, God hates. Uh, just like David 
said earlier. And let's let's look at uh, oh, I have a quote. I've got to share this with you guys. Many Christians are so busy being nice that they forgot how to be good, and they don't even know the difference anymore. Okay, I just wanted to share that. You can tweet that, by the way. Okay, so I, t- I wrote down here, some believers who took a stand against evil men, against evil in their days. Jesus took a stand against the Pharisees, the religious leaders. We know that. It actually got him into a lot of trouble. Uh, Peter and the apostles also took a stand when they were brought uh, by the officers and they they. they because they were preaching Jesus Christ. And what uh, they, were they commanded by the officers and, and the, the court? They said, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Speaking of the name of Jesus. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now that is being good. Saying basically civil disobedience. This is when Christians take the stand and say, "Enough! We're not going to take this." When kind of like, and I and I really like what John MacArthur did. Uh, you know, maybe I I don't maybe approve of the whole mindset of why he did it, but man, do I respect the guy for taking a stand and being like, "No, we will not close down." Yes, they will. We we will gather on Sunday. We will worship our God and nobody's going to stop us. And he held his ground and he's not young. <laughs> he's not young. And he said, what did he say? He says, I don't mind going to jail because there's good evangelism opportunities over there. <laughs> so that was, that took a lot of guts yeah. and I commend him for that. Uh, also read the book of Daniel if you want to see some believers taking a stand. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the furnace, the fiery furnace? No, we will not bow. No, we will not bow. Okay, there you go, in the furnace. Boom. But guess what? God showed up big time. The early Christians. The early Christians didn't they they they, they didn't want to bow to they didn't want to accept basically uh, all the Roman gods. They said there was, there's only one God. And we preach only one God, the one true God, and the Romans took offense of that. If they, if they had said, if the other Christians had said, no, no, our God is just one of many gods, and, and we just want to worship him because we kind of prefer him to the others, then the Romans would have said, that's fine and dandy, go on your merry way. But they said, no, all your gods are crap. There's only one God, and he's the one true God, and he's the one we worship. Oh, boy, big trouble there. And they were uh, in, in big trouble because that. Those who signed the Declaration of Independence, they stood for a civil disobedience and they said no we're not going to have it anymore actually i have that's another thing i have in my office the beautiful uh, replica of the declaration of independence uh, yes i know i am canadian but uh, i i happen to really really like your country guys if you're american i'm just saying i love i love the usa okay <laughs> and i'm not going to read it for you because there was a part of the Declaration of Independence that I wanted to read to you guys because it really espouses the idea of civil disobedience. But you guys probably know the Declaration of Independence better than I do because you are, after all, many of you listening to us are Americans. So you would know this and I don't need to rehash it for you. And now the time has shown up again, not only in the USA, but all over the world, because the, the battleground that's really taking place right now is in the USA. But it's a it's a battle that has the fate of the world, the political world in, in the balance. And that's what I want you guys to realize. So the time has come again and has shown again where believers must show civil disobedience. We must 
be willing to take a stand and say, we will obey God and not men because it's enough. And it's it, we want to be in right standing with God. So, and, and you guys are probably going to like this because it's the conclusion of the matter. What does this all mean? Everything you've done for an hour and 24 minutes now. You've been rambling on about politics. Yes, what does it all mean? Well, here's what it means for you believers listening to us. I hope you're believers if you're listening to us. If you're not, you're on the wrong channel. Here's what it means. We will not take it. We will not stop praying for justice. We will not accept what the news is saying. We will not accept a curse on our land because of the shedding of innocent blood, also known as abortion. We will not accept forced vaccinations. We will not accept our economy to be shut down for a virus. We will, we will speak up. It is time for the church, for believers, for you and me and all the goody-goody Christians out there to shake ourselves and say, we will speak up now. It's enough. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Time to be Mr. Good Guy. If you don't stand for anything in this season, guess what? You will fall for everything because they are pushing it down your throat on the media. So here's four steps. Uh, know how to take a stand. Know how to vote. Know how do uh, how do I evaluate platforms when they're presented to me? How do I how do I make a political decision as a believer? Well, here's what you need to do. Number one, know what you stand for. That's number one. Know what you stand for. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was so spot on when he said that. That's another thing we have in our house. We have a beautiful plaque that says that exact verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Number one, know what you stand for. Number two, consider the platforms carefully. Read what they say on their website platforms, what they stand for. Don't listen to the news. The news lies most of the time. And they're partisan, and even the, the good media, even Newsmax, I love Newsmax, but they are biased. You, it, like if you want to make a vote that is, uh, that, that, that you're, where you're using your mind and your judgment and your discernment, go on the platforms, look at their website, look at what they say. Number three, realize that a vote is a covenant or an agreement with the platform or leader you are choosing. And... Remember that we cannot be unequally yoked. It has happened in the past where me and Elizabeth were in a situation where we uh, were required to vote. We, we, you know, we had a right as citizens to go vote. And I felt that the candidates before us were crappy. Sorry about my French. But I felt like these guys didn't espouse any biblical values. They didn't espouse anything I stood for. So what I did is I would annul my vote. So... When you do that, you do not relinquish your right to vote. You actually show up to vote and your vote is counted. But when you put an X on all the candidates, they annul your vote. So they yeah. cancel it. And therefore, you have not taken a position. So you have done your, your, citizenry, your citizen duty by going to vote. So you let your voice be heard. But you also said, you know what? I'm not going to be giving a vow or put myself under a yoke with people who stand for things that stand against the word of God. So that's an option that you always have. Now, the opposite is also true. If there is a candidate that upholds biblical values, that, that wants to stand for truth, justice, and, well, maybe not the American way anymore because we know that, like, but when the, the old American way, you know what I mean, for the right things, the things that God honors. Well, if there's a candidate like that, by all means, vote for them. 
And, you know, you don't want to just listen to the debate because that's what most people do. They consider they do, they've done their homework because they've listened to the debate between yeah. both and who answered better and who whose view do I approve of better uh, between this party or that party. Go see their website. Go yeah. read the fine print. Go look at everything that they stand for yes. before you even listen to the debate. And then it'll give you a better idea of what they really stand for and what's hidden because when in those debates they don't talk about everything that has to do with your the values and um hot topics sometimes um that are for christians uh, are not even mentioned so and, and number four last but not least pray for wisdom mm -hmm. sometimes it's not clear cut sometimes you're not sure sometimes it's eh, a little murky pray for wisdom pray for discernment bring god into your decision and then do it and be good. Don't be nice. And we're going to finish uh, this week's broadcast. But before we finish, Liz, you probably want to tell our listeners where they can find us and all of our wonderful content and dynamic teachings. Yeah. So if you want to uh, continue to follow, um, you know, have some uh, great resources, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com. Uh, we've got free podcasts. You can listen to lots and lots of content. We also have a YouTube channel yeah. that you can follow us on if you're not already listening from there, where we, we've got uh, top nuggets, all kinds of uh, content that you can listen to, tons and tons of broadcasts. So please share this broadcast if, you have, if you've enjoyed it um, with uh, other believers. And we're going to leave you on this song that we think is appropriate for uh, our listeners. So we wish you a great week. Go check out thrivingonpurpose.com to get oh, and, some and great if, spiritual food. And if you guys want to support this ministry, where should they go? So you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com and uh, you can click the donate button if you want to uh, sow into our ministry. Uh, you'll have the chance to do that on our website. So we're going to can also, yeah, sorry. You sorry. can also go on thrivingonpurpose.com on the front page and sign up for our email list where you get every broadcast that comes out during the week. Uh, we send out one email a week and you get all the news and everything we've been up to. So you can watch that when you feel like it. And recently we've been up to a lot. So you should go visit thriveonpurpose.com. But we're going to leave you this week. It was a little bit longer podcast, but we felt it was so important to share this with you guys. And we're going to leave you this week with a song that is so appropriate that really has the spirit, carries the spirit of everything that we talked about in this uh, broadcast. It's called Thank God for the Renegades by Steve Voss. And listen to the words. It's a powerful song. God bless you. Be blessed. And thrive on.
Thanks to the renegade. 